just like many parents, we have, we've taught our kids the, the standard fairy tales over the years. You know, Red Riding Hood and, and those things. We, we've read through these stories and we've told them these stories, even though many of them don't make a whole lot of sense. We, we tell them, let, let's just look at the three little pigs. It is a story, okay, forget about the talking pigs. You know, we'll, we'll put that aside and just look at the content of this story and it still doesn't make any sense. I mean, forget about the fact that their mother kicked them out of the house with nothing but a warning that, hey, there's someone out there trying to kill you and just sent them on their own. Forget about the fact that these pigs, knowing the imminent threat of death, chose to go their own separate ways instead of trying to work together. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but forget about all of that. Let's just look at their houses. I mean, we have the three crazy building materials of, of the straw and the sticks and the brick, and the brick actually makes sense, but what did that pig do in the meantime while he was building that house? I, I've never built a house. But I can imagine that a brick house is going to take more than an afternoon to build. So what did he do? Camp out while he was building it? I mean, why did the wolf wait? Why did he wait for all three pigs to finish their houses before coming for his meal? He could have had them easy that first night if he had just thought ahead. And that's not even to mention the, the other houses that were incredibly flammable. I mean, straw, you know how flammable straw is, and the stick house isn't that much better. You may say, well, our houses today are built of wood. It's no different. Oh, it is very much different. Our houses today are built with, with pressure-treated wood and, and wood that, that resists flames. Yes, it will burn, but then we stick it behind drywall that is also designed to resist flames, and it is not nearly as flammable as that stick house, and especially that straw house would be. It's a, a crazy fairy tale, but it actually has some useful information. And Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, uses a very similar analogy when teaching them about the church. We started looking at Paul's letter, 1 Corinthians, back in January. And as we said from the get-go, we have to keep in mind, many of Paul's letters he wrote to the church and they were letters of encouragement, saying, hey, you're doing a good job, keep up the good work, here's just a little bit extra to keep you going. But that was not his letter to the church in Corinth. His church in Corinth had problems. And so he writes this letter to try to, to correct those problems, because he's out in Ephesus planting a church. It's kind of like when, when mom or dad calls when the kids are home and everything's falling apart, and they say, you just wait until I get there. That's what this letter was. Paul sending correction until he could get there and straighten things out on his own. And some of the issues that we've seen so far that he keeps coming back to is this issue of division within the church. And that division kind of spawns from their immaturity. We looked last in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and Paul was talking about this issue of, of immaturity in the church. They were, they were bickering among themselves, clinging to one teacher or another. We are following Paul. Well, we're following Apollos. Well, Peter's really the one that you should be following. And they bickered and fought, and it was dividing them. And Paul 
in chapter 3, he's telling him, whoa, 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 that's not what we were about. We're not about fighting. We are not in competition. In fact, we are co-workers working together in God's field. In fact, that's what he said in verse 9. He said, we are God's co-workers and you are God's field, God's building. Now, I grew up in Iowa. And so I, I come from the Midwest. I, I have that, that Midwest dialect. People say we don't have an accent. We still talk in a certain way. And coming up to North Dakota, we have a similar dialect. Yes, you guys talk a little bit more Canadian, but I can forgive that. And, but we can understand each other without a whole lot of problems. Other areas of the country, it can be more difficult. I have some friends from the South and yeah, I can understand them, but sometimes it can be hard. But there is one benefit that they have. I, I really think that, that our southern friends, our, our southern brethren, are, are on to something, and that something is the word y'all. You wouldn't think it. It doesn't sound very sophisticated, but it is very helpful. If you're not familiar with the word, it's a combination of the words you and all. And it's meant to, to address a group. I can talk to you, or I can talk to y'all. See, in the Midwest dialect, we just use you. We say you for the single person. We say you for the whole group. And so I could say, you are very smart and very kind. Or I can say, you are very smart and very kind. And it, it has different meaning, even though it uses the same words. And you have to pay attention to the context. You have to pay attention to, to everything that I've said before, my inflection, my, my, my gestures and, and hand movements to understand what it is that I'm trying to say if I'm talking to, to you or I'm talking to you. And that's where y'all comes in very handy because context is not our strong suit when we come to Scripture. We try to take a single verse and figure out what it means without looking at everything else around it. And so I would think, our southern brethren, if they were to read chapter 3, verse 9, they would read it much the same. They'd say, we, being Paul and Apollos and, and Peter, we are God's co-workers, and y'all are God's field. Y'all are God's building, all of you, together. We have to look at that context because Paul is talking about the whole church. Just looking at chapter 3, if we don't even look at anything else, chapter 3, Paul has been talking to the whole church. He's been talking about, I planted this, I helped build this. He's not talking about the individual. So we can't say, well, he's talking about the, the whole church here and the individual over here. He's talking about y'all. The whole church, and I know it may seem like semantics. It may seem like just a little thing that doesn't make any difference, but it's important to understand as we get into everything else that Paul is talking about. As he continues in verse 10, he says, I laid a foundation like a wise master builder, according to God's grace that was given to me, but someone else is building on top of it. Each person needs to pay attention to the way they build on it. Now again, that's why it's important, this difference between you and y'all. Because Paul is not talking about the individual. 
He's talking about the church, not the building. He's talking about the fellowship of believers, the community that has come together. And he starts by talking about the field and how he planted and someone else watered, but then moves into this analogy of the building. He said, he, Paul, laid the foundation of that building and someone else is building atop it. And that foundation that he laid is none other than Jesus Christ. As he goes on to explain, no one can lay another foundation besides the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now we all know that the foundation is the most important part of any building. The foundation will dictate the size of the building. The foundation will dictate the shape of the building. It will dictate the structure and the stability of that building. And you cannot change that foundation without structurally, without fundamentally changing that building. And that was the issue with the church in Corinth. They were trying to, to substitute a different foundation. Paul had laid a foundation of Christ. He talked about that early in the letter. He said, I came here, everyone else was talking in their big fancy words with all their philosophical stuff trying to, to gain a following, and I was having none of that. I came and preached Jesus Christ and Jesus alone in the foolishness of the cross. So he laid that foundation of Jesus very intentionally but now the church was looking elsewhere. Now the church was trying to focus on their leaders, on, on dynamic speakers, just like everyone else, rather than focusing on Jesus. And that's the danger in any church, even this church. It's easy to, to try to shift that foundation, to, to substitute it for something else, for, for church tradition. This is the way that we've done it. We need to stick to, to this regardless of what else comes. We, we, need, to, we need to build upon on moral teachings and, and doing the right thing. And these are not bad things. Church tradition is not a bad thing. Moral teachings are not a bad thing. Or, or some churches will, in trying to find their niche, in trying to, to set themselves apart from everyone else, they will focus upon charity or upon a pseudoscientism, or, or sentimental love and good works. And these are not bad things, but oftentimes that niche, that thing that, that sets them apart, becomes a substitute for the foundation. It becomes their reason for being. And such a foundation is not sustainable. Maybe it'll stand for a while. You can build upon it for a short time, but the bigger it gets, the longer it stands, the more likely it will be to collapse if it doesn't have the proper foundation. So Paul goes on in verse 12. So whether someone builds on top of the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, grass, or hay, and it seems like an odd spot, but I'm going to take a break right there, because the foundation is important. It is the, the crux of everything, but it's also important what you put on that foundation. The materials that you use are also important. That's kind of the lesson that we get from the three little pigs. The material that you use 
is important. There is a big difference between building with straw or building with sticks or building with bricks. And Paul is saying there is a big difference between building with hay or grass or building with gold and precious stones. But again, we have to look at the context. Paul's not talking about building your church building here. I do not recommend that you build your church out of pure gold. It's going to get very expensive very quickly. But he's talking about not the church building, but he's talking about the community, not the organization, not the governmental structure, but the people, the family, the community that has come together. And we need to keep that in context and, and look at this in light of that because it can be all too easy to say, well, Paul's talking about we need to get good people in here. We need to do what we can to bring good people in and keep the bad people out. But that's not what Paul's saying. Remember what Paul has been talking about throughout this letter. He's been talking about, about the division in the church. He's been talking about the maturity of the church. And more than once, He's talked about our need for God's wisdom. Because everybody, whether you're big or small, whether you're young or old, everybody is a part of this community. And everyone contributes to this community in one way or another. We have different expectations. We talked about maturity, how we don't expect the same thing out of teenagers and toddlers. There is a difference. If the, if the preschool class were to come up here on a Sunday morning and they were to, to belt out an out-of-tune version of Jesus loves me, everyone would clap. Everyone would praise them for their great work. But if I were to get up here and I were to belt out an equally out-of-tune rendition of Jesus loves me and try to substitute that for my sermon, some of you would like the length. But beyond that, it would not be appreciated as much. The preschoolers coming up here and singing out of tune would be presenting their very best, presenting gold, while mine, my efforts would be nothing more than hay. And each of us have been given different talents. Each of us have been given different giftings and abilities. What is gold for one person may be hay or straw for another. It all comes down to what is your motivation and what are your abilities? Why are you serving? And are you giving it your all? Because you can teach a Sunday school class with, with no effort, just throw some coloring sheets at the kids, just make sure they don't kill each other. You can do it with no motivation and it's only hay. Meanwhile, the person scrubbing the floor with all their heart is building with gold. Everyone builds. But the question is, what are you building with? Because the material that you use matters. Paul says, each builder's work will be plainly seen, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what kind of work each has done. If what someone has built survives, he will receive a reward. If someone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Your work 
your effort will be judged. Now, this is different from the day of judgment. There is a day that is coming in which God will separate the sheep from the goats, when God will separate the sinners from the sinners saved by grace, when God will judge each person to their eternal condemnation or their eternal reward. That is not this day. We're talking about your works, what you have done in service of God. So to clarify, because I don't need someone saying, well, pastor said that, that it's all about what I do, that it's all about the work that I do. That is not what I'm saying. You cannot earn your salvation. No matter how many good works you do, you cannot earn your salvation. It's not focused on, on what work that you do. Your works and your deeds are not the source of Christian life. But they are the evidence of Christ's life in you. And so on this day, not on the day of judgment, on this day, we will present the work that we have done. We will come before God and the work that we have done will be tested. On that day, I have absolutely no doubt that there will be pastors, there will be leaders of, of large churches who will be tested by fire and it will be shown that it was gold and it was precious jewels that they built. And there will also be those who have been praised on this earth for great ministries, who have been held up and lauded as, as the example that we should all follow, after being tested, will be shown to be left with nothing because they built their house with straw. There will be pastors, there will be Sunday school teachers, there will be your average Joe who have built these incredible houses and think that it will stand who've tried to put in the work, but realize that, that just doing the work wasn't enough, and that what they have is a house of straw. What we find here are two warnings. The first warning is don't be quick to judge, because you cannot see what that house is built with. The appearance of success is easy to come by, by this world's standards. But on that day, you will not be judged by the world standards. It doesn't matter if you built a very pretty house of straw, it will still burn down. And there will be many mega churches, many Christian leaders who have built these amazing ministries that may just well be a house made of straw. Likewise, there will be ministries and people that, that seem like they can never get anything right, that just seem to be failing right after, one time after another and, and doing ministry with zero fanfare that may be building with pure gold. But we cannot judge that here. We should not be quick to judge one as better than the other, but look to the heart and what God is doing and allow Him to be that judge. But the second warning comes a little closer to home. You must examine your own service. You must examine your own motives. Why are you doing it? Why are you teaching? Why are you working? And are you doing it to the best of your ability? Are you up here like the preschoolers belting out to the best of your ability an out-of-tune song? 
Or are you belting out an out-of-tune song because, well, at least I did it? When you are capable of much more. And those are questions that I can't answer for you. I can't tell you that you're doing it with the right or wrong motives. I can't tell you that you're doing it, that you're living up to your full potential. We have terrific Sunday school teachers. From my perspective, they are doing an amazing job. They are, are pouring into the lives of, of students, teaching them the word of God. But I can't see their hearts. I can't see their motivation. I can't see if they are living up to their potential. But God can. Everyone is building with something. The question is, what are you building with? The constructive worker is building with the right motives, is building, demonstrating the right conduct, is giving their all in service. And in so doing, they are building a strong structure of gold and silver and jewels that will withstand the test of fire. But the worthless worker, their work will be burned away. They shall be saved but they'll have nothing to show for it. And it's easy to fool ourselves. It's easy to, to think, well, I'm doing the work and therefore that's enough. The house looks great. That was easy. But it was made of straw. But there's also another worker. And that is the destructive worker. Paul says, don't you know that you are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. If someone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Because God's temple is holy, which is what you are. And again, this is context matters. We're not talking about murder here. We're not talking about the individual you. We're talking about y'all. The body of Christ. God's church. The one who works against God's church, the one who seeks to destroy God's church will be destroyed because they are not a part of God's church. They will have their judgment on that first day of judgment when God separates out the sheep and the goats. The destructive worker doesn't contribute to the building because they are not a part of that community. They work against God's church and they will not be saved. And we can point our finger and say, oh, it's them, it's those people out there, it's, it's this or that group. But the reality is that we have some wolves in sheep's clothing that seek to, to masquerade within the church. And they do nothing to help build. But a strong structure will not fall. If we are building with the right materials, that even if someone comes to destroy it, it will not be destroyed if we build with the right materials. And so the question remains, what are you building with? Are you building with, with gold, silver, and precious jewels? Or are you building with straw and hay and grass? Will the materials that you are using withstand the test of fire? Because the reality is, the materials that you bring to the church, 
the materials that you build with upon this foundation are the same materials that you're using in your life. And if your house, if your life is built with nothing more than straw, if you are a person who's just going through the motions, who is just doing enough to get your ticket to heaven punched, if you are building your own house with straw and hay, then that's all that you have to bring to this foundation of Christ. But if you dig deep, if you seek God, if you, if you build your life with the right motives, with the right conduct, with, with an effort towards God's mission, then that's what you bring to the church. That's what you build upon this foundation of Christ. A teacher who teaches the Word of God fully, who teaches the Word of God consistently, is building with gold and silver and precious stones, and that structure will stand the test of fire. And so the question is, what are you building with? You can lie to me. You can lie to yourself. You can tell yourself that what I'm doing is good enough. But your work will be tested and it will be revealed what it is that you've been building with. And on that day, when your work is tested, you will see if you've been building with gold or if your house has been nothing more than a house of straw. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you're doing. And God, I pray. God, I pray that on that day that is to come, that our work will be revealed. That the effort that we put in here will result in great rewards, not because we want to, to gain rewards for ourselves, not because we're doing it for selfish reasons, but God, we want to present to you the very best. So God, may that be our motivation. May we look within our hearts, may we look within ourselves to see what are we building with. Are we building a house of gold and silver and precious stones or are we just throwing it together with straw and hay? Because we don't want to work. We just want to laugh and play all day. God, reveal our work now. Check our motives. Check our attitudes. And God, may we live up to our abilities and our potential. Because this foundation has been laid but we are the ones building upon it. And so God, may it stand the test of fire. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And God, we, we pray that you would continue to spur us on to faith and good works according to your will as we seek to please you, our Heavenly Father, above all else. Go with us this week, we pray holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.